Hey, this is Robin Steps from the Ocean, and you're listening to Interview Under Fire. All right, everyone, Sunny back here with Interview Under Fire. Robin, thank you so much for joining our podcast today on IUF. A big time of the year for you and the guys over at the Ocean with the release of Phenerozoic 2 coming out September 25th on Metal Blade. Before I get to that, I'm going to ask the most important question that's been overlooked the last few months. How are you? <laughs> how have things been for you and the boys, you know, and how is life in Spain, I guess, you know, since our lives have changed back in March? Well, it's a very subjective answer uh, that every individual band member would need to answer. Personally, I'm great. I'm, um, as I just told you, I managed to escape from Berlin for a couple of days to Spain. Um, I'm close to the ocean, as you can see in the back there. That's awesome. Beautiful place. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really good to be out, um, you know, just after being home for so many months. Um, I Personally, I, I did enjoy that isolation period to some degree. It gave me a lot more time to focus on things I would have otherwise just never been able to do. Uh, lots of projects with the label. And uh, we're also releasing a, a very uh, large, all-encompassing photo book with the vinyl records of the new album. And that would never have happened if it wasn't for COVID-19. You know, so there's good things in the in the uh, in all wow. the bullshit, obviously. Um but yeah, I'm I'm better than some of my band mates. Uh, Louis just had surgery to his ear. He's fine, but he's going to be kind of knocked out for a couple of weeks still at least. And Matthias, our bass player, um, has a disease on, on his fingers, so he hasn't been able to touch his instrument for oh, months. Man. So if, if Corona hadn't happened, then we would have been knocked out anyways, you know? So it, it kind of came at the right time. Otherwise, we would have probably had to cancel a whole bunch of stuff from our end. So I'm kind of thankful for how everything went. And um, I was lucky to uh, to have my girlfriend stuck with me. She's not from Berlin and not living in Germany, but she uh, came just before um, this whole thing happened. And we had a really cool time, just the two of us, spending lots of time at home, watching lots of lots of netflix you know and just yeah just chilling out cooking good food it was it was, it was not terrible for me at all really <laughs> yeah i know everyone's situation is different and making the best of what we are doing is is a, definitely a challenge and it seems like you guys have been doing that that's a great shot behind you by the way i can't get over that that's that's great <laughs> <laughs> <There> you, <go. laughs> you know does this pandemic now that you know you've been home and you kind of just been busy with whatever you've been doing with with the label and the band just doing all this amazing stuff, does it open up new things for you personally and artistically that you may have not noticed about yourself before? Um, artistically, I'm not sure, to be honest. I haven't really been writing music or anything like that just until very recently when I got here. Um, I always retreat to this place to write music. I, I can't really do that at home. I somehow need some sort of isolation for that even uh, in times when there's no corona. So... Um, I'm not sure if it has affected me in that way, but I think what what it's done to me is just like psychologically, there was this time when you were fighting everything, you know, and like we had obviously with the band, a lot of things planned, lots of summer festivals. We were supposed to play Wacken. We had a South America tour planned in May and June. And in the beginning, when all this happened, I was fighting against it. I was like, fuck, we're going to do it anyways, you know, keep like, just keep going ahead, booking the flights. And then at one point I was just like, yeah, there's no point. Like it's, it's, we're just going to hurt ourselves when, uh, you know, we don't realize that we just have to come to a pause somehow this year. And 
And after a couple of weeks or months of fighting against that, I just came to terms with it. And then everything started becoming much better. And I started becoming very peaceful. And it's it's just this experience when you just have to accept certain things that happen to you. And uh, there's nothing you can do about them, you know. And it's like you're only going to waste the time of your life just being in a bad mood and fighting against it and thinking about all the cool shows you could have played and all those cool things you could have done. It's it's occurred to everyone and we're all in the same boat there and we all have to find our ways of dealing with that. And uh, I think that was somehow an, an important lesson and not just on a personal level, but maybe even more than that, you know, because things are possible now that no one would, would have thought would ever be possible in terms of the whole like world economy coming to a halt, you know, and like, it's, it's certainly good for, for the earth <laughs> and the whole, uh, like, you know, in, in the light of the whole climate change debate, like, yeah, it is possible. We can push this pause button for a while. Obviously nobody wanted to, you know, you know, it was not like conscious choices made, but all this kind of shows that a lot of things that we thought would never be possible. Now they are, now they have become reality. And who knows? Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that that'll um, allow us to reconsider and gain a new perspective on certain things. I, I really hope so. So, and, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. always trying to look for the, the I'm a stupid optimist. You know, I try to look for the good, good things. That's OK. Better things and <laughs> and uh, usually it's, it's, it's helped me just not be miserable. So that's good. <laughs> No, that, that's exactly the way you should. That's a great attitude to take during this. I mean, I don't want to say unprecedented because here's the thing. You don't plan for a pandemic. Like, okay, we got an album release. Here's a protocol. What happens if there's a pandemic? It's it's not like, you know, it was in the back of our head. This is definitely a different time for us. And, you know, we talked about yeah. the touring life that you had. And you guys, for 2020, you have reached the 20, you know, the 20 year mark with the ocean. And you guys have played at oh, Summer yeah. Breeze, Vakken, Brutal Assault. Like it, it goes on for you guys. Just the, just the catalog of where you've played. What was your favorite part about touring? Because now you're kind of just taking like an unseen step back. Does you make you have like a growing appreciation for the tour life? Because there's culture, there's fans, even the food. You know, it's so many things to experience. What was your favorite part about it? Everything, man. Everything about it. We we love touring. We love being on the road and uh, exploring new places. And it's just it's the life we've chosen. And nobody has any regrets. You know, it's it's just beautiful. Even if it's tiring and you're not sleeping much and you're drinking way too much, it's 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 the best thing in the world. And uh, if somebody asks me that tour versus studio question, I do love both. I do love recording. But the reason why I started this band was to get out and tour and you know get to places. And um, so yes, there's, there's many things I miss about it, like the, just the, the community of being on a bus with a whole bunch of cool people and listening to playlists and good music uh, until early morning hours, sitting in the lounge drinking and uh, and watching awesome music every night from the other bands you're out on tour with. We've been very lucky to just be um, to, to, to tour with like so many outstanding artists over the last couple of years, like a lot of yeah. bands that I just genuinely enjoyed watching myself, you know, where I wanted to see every show and and uh, so we've been very close to what we personally all love in music. And um, it's been a pretty drastic, um, like, just halt this year. Because last year we, we played 120 shows, I think. Like a lot of, wow. a lot of tours. Uh, we started the year in, in uh, India with five shows in India, then went to Australia and New Zealand, and then did... Uh, summer festivals was like 12 or 13 festival shows we had and then we did this tour of a lot of places we had never been to before Armenia Georgia Kazakhstan uh, an extensive tour of Russia like three weeks and then finished in Japan and um, 
and that was a pretty mind-blowing experience. And then we were home for just two weeks and then uh, did a European run with Leprous for another five weeks and then mixed the second part of the record right after that tour and then did three arena shows in Finland with Amorphis in early December. So we've been out the whole year, basically, like nonstop. And then, uh, yeah, this, this year was supposed to be like equally intense and now it's nothing so it's 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 kind of good to catch your breath you know but we are hungry for doing this again as soon as possible for sure man so the fan in me will have to say like when i saw that leprous and ocean tour i was like man <laughs> if they do a north american tour man of course i would be the one going crazy up in the front when it comes to stage but you know and you've seen this for the last few months and a lot of these bands you talking about reminiscing about old times touring with these bands a lot of the bands have been taking it to live streaming and you've seen this bands have been doing the live streaming it's been a commonality within it's been a common subject in my show as of late so i wanted to ask yeah. you being a musician that you are and being in the business as long as you are do you think the quarantine induced live streaming surge that we're seeing now do you think that's going to affect the touring musician business going forward do you still see bands doing this even after all this is over Oh, absolutely. The live streams are a very poor substitute for live shows. I mean, come oh, on. Yeah. Like, it's, it, no, it's cool. Like, I've, you know, I've watched a couple and it's, of course, when you don't have anything else, obviously, it's, it's cool to watch live music and to rem remind yourself of the days when that was possible and to just look forward to when it will be possible again. But it's, it could never be like a substitute as in, all right, I don't need to go out anymore. I don't know. Like, I guess to some people that happens when they grow older and they stop going to shows hasn't happened to me yet like i love the energy in that and that's something that you, you you need in 3d and like you know with with everything it entails the sweat and the and the like physical proximity to other human beings um you can't just have that from a screen like it, it doesn't work like that for me so um that said we we are considering to also do a live stream like i you know i think it's a great challenge and uh, when you don't have anything else like i said people are at home now um this type of stuff gets a lot more attention now obviously so totally cool but it will never replace touring and i think every everybody knows that i think what's going to happen after this is over is that um well there will be a, a total clusterfuck of tours and releases all happening at the same time oh, yeah. because you know there's just this big like um this big backlog of things that were supposed to happen and haven't happened but I also think that people are very hungry for this, and uh, so probably turnouts will be will be better as long as people can afford it. That's the other side. Um, but yeah, I think everyone here, if I just look at my friends and, and my bandmates uh, and people from Berlin that I speak to frequently, everybody is just itching to to see all that happening again. So it's <laughs> no, it's not the end of touring. <laughs> I don't think so. You know what's a very common answer I get? I, I love asking this question because there's no wrong answer. Every artist has a different perspective when it comes to live streaming because it's just the uncertainty going forward. I get a very common answer, and you said it. It's the sweat. <laughs> it's the sweat that you fee feel off of, like, so many people around you in the mosh pit, whether it's on stage, behind the stage, whatever it is. You know, it's that's, it's that's a always like a thing. It's a, it's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Yeah. We, <laughs> it's what makes you feel alive. And, yeah. Also yeah, because, you know, of course, I have, when, and I, you, I have the you, liberty to go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> uh, you, you go ahead. <laughs> now, I was going to say, I was, I would, I could have the liberty to mosh in my own room if I wanted to. Of course, if it, if I see Robin in front of me, you know, going, 
doing the things he's doing with the ocean on stage is a whole different thing and then i'm seeing him on screen i don't know if you've seen this but i i think in germany they did the whole uh the drive-in concert where the cars came in parked in i thought that was very yeah. there's a unique take on the live experience yeah. so to speak i saw live nation talk about that months ago already drive-in concerts and i remember when i read that i was laughing i was like <laughs> sure? that's that's so american actually but i think it actually happened in germany because like you know we don't even have drive-ins in germany but then like why would you have a drive-in concert i think it, it actually did happen there but yeah i mean people come up with crazy ideas and it's great you know it's creative everyone's trying to find something to do during this time totally cool with me but no that's that's not what live music should be and um yeah hopefully we're, we're going to be able to get back to how things were before i'm i'm not entirely sure we will i think there's a, a genuine hesitation now towards putting yourself close to other people um that we have all come to learn over the course of the past couple of months and at yeah. least in europe it's become uh second nature very quickly like everyone is wearing masks in in berlin and uh, people keep their distance you know and it's it's become a reality and somehow there, there's just this um this level of mistrust towards other people around you you know and sometimes you, you see people get really angry when you come too close to them accidentally it's like whoa like you know <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know if something like that will stay or or if once we have a vaccine everything will just go back to normal like maybe there's going to be more hesitation at gigs maybe like these really crowded shows people are going to have like the sour taste because they remember these weeks or months now you know but i don't know i, I think in the end um it, it probably won't take long until until things go back to the good old sweat that we all miss, miss so much you know i would grab a beer and you, you have one with you right now and that makes me make, everything you said just makes me want to go grab a beer from the fridge right now but <laughs> there you go but, but you said but you said it right there you know and uh and we covered a lot of topics, so I, I want to get to Fenerozoic. This is your ninth studio album. Is it your ninth studio album? Because I think it's because you had an instrumental one for Fenerozoic Part One. I don't know if that's a tie-in to because that would this would mean it's your ninth studio album. No, the, we're not counting the instrumentals uh, except Fuck Diver, the first record we ever released. That was only instrumental. Yeah. So, so that one I do count. But um, yeah, we released Pelagial and Fenerozoic One as instrumental versions, but they're just accompanying the, the vocal editions, so to speak. To give a bit of a different perspective on the music which i always find very interesting i love um, that yeah it's it's just offering you a different perspective on essentially the same thing but i think it's really cool even when i really like the vocals of or the vocalist of a band i love to have the option to you know go back and listen to it instrumentally because we're just conditioned to pay so much attention to the vocals that when they're not there anymore then you realize a whole a lot of things that you otherwise would never even notice probably so i like to do that but yeah it's i, I think it's number nine right uh, i would say it's nine not not counting the instrumental like it's number nine yeah but <laughs> that just shows yeah. how diverse your catalog is going back all these years now it's Fenerozoic 2 it comes out september 25th it was tracked in iceland spain and germany correct mm -hmm. yeah and it was produced by you know swedish producer you know jens borgren and he has a an amazing history with you know with Opeth working with Sepultura working with Arch Enemy. Have you worked with someone like Jens before? Uh, he makes Pelagial as well and Fenerozoic One, so it's actually the third time that we're working with him. And by now, um, it's someone that we really came to trust, and um, that is a great resource to come in uh, at a very late stage. You know, when all the music's already written and recorded, 
to bring in that bird's eye perspective and uh, just like look look at it and listen to everything with fresh ears and uh that is really great and i i don't want to go back to <laughs> mixing myself which i've done <laughs> in the past like i mixed a uh, fluxion and aeolian and then uh I, I kind of realized that it's 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 better to have that external person you know to yeah to bring in something fresh so um it's 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 not a rookie experience it was the third time and um Jens is great. He has a very clear idea of how he um, likes certain things. So when you have a specific question, you will always get a, an answer. And I really appreciate that. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's my it's the same opinion that I have. And uh, of course, there ha there has been some discussions and uh, some things we disagreed about. But he's always very rational and uh, and, and very professional. And uh, just just a great musician himself with a with good ears you know and like a very uh, valuable opinion to have and then in the end you know whether we want to go for it or or decide that we want to do something else is still our choice in the end but it's i do appreciate asking these questions and getting his opinion you know and uh yeah it's it's been really great working with him over the last three records and um i think he's also very diverse with his um with what he can do you know he's of course a lot of people see him in this in this metal context because of the bands he produced but i think he can do a lot more than that and he's uh, very forward thinking and, and doesn't have his stiff formula of how he does things but is very open-minded towards new approaches and uh and uh yeah all, all of that make him a, a really great producer i think and a, an amiable person to work with yeah agreed one thousand percent now and you also work with Jonas Rents from Catatonia, and Catatonia is one of one of my personal favorites. Does it help an artist such as yourselves working with other outside musicians like Jonas to bring your trademark sound come to life? Um, I'm not sure if that's so important for that. I think we could also make our trademark sound come to life without any external help, to be honest. And the, the choice to have Jonas involved happened very late in the mix here. But I'm very glad we did it because he is a he is an incredible musician with a really really beautiful voice I think and um, and he really gave some character to that part and uh, kind of like pulled it in in a different direction and, and but in a very very nice one that we all really like so I'm glad we did it but um, I mean it's not that we rely on uh, external musician musicians to make music you know um, mm -hmm. I think we've always had guests on some of our records more in the past. Um, like on Aeolian, we had, I think, like 10 or 12 um, vocalists, you know, back then that was the principle yeah. to, to make a record with a different vocalist on every track. And I really liked that idea. Um, but when Luik joined the band in 2009, then we kind of gave up, gave up on that. And we wanted to have like one um, recognizable characteristic voice throughout the record. But we still had like a guest for like one track or two, you know, on Pelagio, we had Thomas, who's also guesting on um, Fenerozoic 2 again. Thomas yep. Liliadal from Breach and on Fenrozoic 1 and 2 now as well we've, we've had Jonas and it's been really great uh, working with him and it's just this intuitive um, type of collaboration you know where we don't really have to explain anything like we just send him a track and he comes back with something that's always like to the point and just perfect you know another interview you, you said that I don't know which interview it was, but you said the first part of Fenerozoic is a No Regrets album. Why do you believe that as opposed to what Fenerozoic 2 came out with? It's just how I feel when I listen to it now. Um, hmm. The record 
the record came out in late 2018, so it's not even two years old, and we have played a lot of shows with it, and that can be very tiring, and you can get to the point where you're just like, oh, I wish I had not done that, you know, or it's it's usually not like huge regrets, as in, oh, this song sucks. It's more like, um, I don't know, just a transition not working, or you just get tired of things quickly, you know, and you're like, oh, I wish I'd tried something else there. And... Um, that hasn't happened here. We've, we've played, like I said, 120 shows last year, and we still feel that the material is fresh and exciting, and we love to play it live. And um, I guess we got really tired of Pelagio also because it was just too long. You know, we toured on that record for five years. And um, and once we stopped doing that and started, uh, you know, working on the Phenerozoic material, that felt like such a relief. But now I'm already getting to the point where I'm really enjoying Pelagio songs again. So it's just... A, yeah, it's like eating great food, you know, even if you eat like the best Sichuan Chinese dinner, like if you eat it every night, you get sick of it, you know, you need to do something <laughs> else for a while. And, and that's, uh, yeah, that's what happened to us with, with Pelagio. We just, uh, yeah, we, we toured on that record for a long time. And we also always played the same songs in the same order, because that's how that record was meant to be delivered. And um, yeah. it just necessarily gets you to the point, I think. Before you wrote you know, Phenerozoic 1, did you have this goal already planned out from the start or did it take time to develop into what it is today? Like, you set out, okay, I'm going to do part one and part two. Is this is this something you already had painted before you even started recording? Yes, because we had more material than um, would fit on a single record. And um, I'm not just talking like a single slab of vinyl, but we decided that we don't want to release a super long record again, um, like we did with Procambrian, which was like 75 minutes or something like that. Of course, we could have done that and just released it as a double or triple LP, but like a single record. Oh, man. But I think that's, <laughs> I, I think that's a waste of, um, of resources in a way, you know, because people's attention span these days is so short. And, um, and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to get it out into portions that are somehow digestible because there's still a lot happening. And I think especially Fenrozoic 2 is not such an easy to digest record but um yeah so it was clear that that it's going to be two uh, separate parts and we recorded drums for both parts in the same session so like all the songs for Phenerozoic 2 were already there at least well a little more than just in their infancy because you know like we recorded the drums in the same session the only track where we still added drums later was the track Oligocene of Phenerozoic 2 because that track was initially supposed to only have electronic drums but then we kind of decided that we want real drums for it. And so we asked Peter, our synth guy, to track drums for that while we were already on tour with Leprous because he couldn't do that tour with us. He stayed home and uh, just worked on synths. And uh, then we decided very late that we still want drums for that track. So he had to take, do the duty for that one. <laughs> I think one of the most interesting part about your music are the themes that you have developed within the songs. You know, I know what some of the things that you're attracted to, you know, the just the abstract, philosophy, globalization, the earth history, even Friedrich Nietzsche, you know, the whole eternal recurrence, that they, the idea about that. To what level do you like to have a theme for your records? And how important are themes to you? Is that more about helping you guys write or sound, or is that more for the audience? Because a lot of artists, they don't really care about themes. They just go to the studio, do 10 songs, and that's it, which is fine. You know, they can do what they want to do. But I feel like there's a specific mindset that you have when you write your music, which I just think it's just, it's amazing. It's it's beautiful when it, when it comes to delivering that material to the audience. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, it, 
I don't know. It's just a matter of helping me focus when I write music and lyrics, especially. I like to have that frame um, to like move within, and um, and also as a as someone who who listens to music, I always I always loved it when there was like this red thread going through a record, and once you started digging into the the artwork and the lyrics and the concepts, then you, you there was something to to be discovered, you know, and not something you want to do with every record, but when I'm really obsessed with a the record, then I want to do that. And then I want to have uh, this choice. So, um, yeah, I've always loved that. And that's why I, I guess I started doing that as well with Precambri. And I think that was like the first record that had that type of uh, theme. And, um, well, the, the, the things that happen on Phanerozoic uh, 1 and 2 are all ideas I've been thinking about a lot. And I also have just a personal interest in, in philosophy and literature and um so i guess it's natural mm -hmm. that the things that i write you know like music and any type of art is is um is functioning on inspiration and inspiration is something you can get from anything so it's not only that music inspires my music writing it's also other forms of art things that i see visual art um literature everyday life experiences you know all, all these things go into this black box of inspiration and then what comes out is is the music that I write and um, I've always been interested in in Nietzsche's philosophy and um, this record talking about the whole idea of eternal recurrence and the concept of time that is cyclical rather than linear just made sense uh, you know to be embedded into this whole Phenerozoic um, like earth history paleontology concept and that's something that dawned to me only when I started writing the lyrics because obviously um, we always have this this uh, meta level that we take there you know the lyrics of Precambrian are not about the Precambrian time solely because there was no mm -hmm. no life on earth even so what are you going to write about uh, the lyrics always are from the human perspective essentially and so it's kind of like a, a transcendental perspective um, with which requires a lot of abstraction you know on behalf of uh, me as the person writing them but also the listener and um so we've always we've always done that but those things usually start shaping up once the basic frame is set and i really like that to set that early and say okay this is going to be the the deal for this record and then um sometimes it takes some time to really find your your place in this frame that you set for yourself but once you found it it's it's awesome you know then you everything makes sense and you have so many different directions that you want to explore. And um, yeah, that, that always somehow works, works out well for me this way. And I, th I think otherwise it would just be a bit random. Like every song would be about something else. And, uh, and um, I think that, I think that essentially the lyrics, at least if not the music too, would lose impact if that was the case, you know, it's, I like it when it's really streamlined and, and um a level of consistency. Yeah, exactly. From the beginning to the end of the record. Do you see Phenerozoic 2 as a snapshot of where you are at a certain time in your life? Yeah, right now, pretty much. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very contemporary record. And um, yeah, it's, it, I mean, to be fair, like some of the tracks, basically all the tracks for Phenerozoic 1 and 2 were written over the course of two or three summers and the last one was 2017 because we started recording in early 2018 wow. so most of the songs are already almost three years old by now you know so but it's always like that like we we just take a, a, a lot of time to finish records and um 
And we usually have more material written by the time we enter the studio than um, we can put on a single record. So that, you know, makes the delay between the writing process and the actual release even larger. So musically, it's a snapshot of three years ago. Uh, lyrically, it's a snapshot of last year, which is when I wrote the lyrics for Fenris okay. One. So like a little more contemporary. Um, but altogether, that record, I think, really represents where we stand as a as a band in the year 2020, it's um, it's a it's more of a collaborative effort than any previous record. I mean, Paul, our drummer, wrote two and a half tracks, three tracks almost on the record, um, while I wrote all the songs on Fenrozoic One. So there's also more input from from him, and not only him, also all the other players have uh, written and contributed their own parts to the record. So I think it's more of a more of a band album in a way than um, anything else we've done before. And um, yeah, like I said, for me, the first part still is a No Regrets album. I, I, I still love those songs, but I'm also really excited to start digging into the second part now. And we haven't rehearsed the songs since we recorded them two years ago. So we're going to go back to our synth player's uh, place in October, September, October, and start preparing for uh, next year when hopefully we'll be able to take this out on the road. And when you say you you started these songs like a few years ago that just shows how much dedication you have to your craft and and it's heard and you know you, you, that's what i'm hearing i'm sure all the fans are hearing that too i'm hearing so many reviews on jurassic cretaceous like it's like it's the amount of just gratitude i can i can sense you know from just from that reception i think that just again that just shows how amazing and long and how diverse your music catalog is so it, i think it just is tenfold and how dedicated and appreciative of fans are. And I'm really thankful for that. Like we were overwhelmed by the reactions to that track. And um, yeah, it's it's really great to see that. I think uh, I think uh, we have a very, very cool, diverse, open-minded following of people that really appreciate what we do as a band. And, and a lot of times when a band gets that old, then fans have a certain expectation towards them, you know? And then uh, mm. it's difficult to stray from that. But in our case, I think like we can literally do anything, you know? We never have to be worried if we're going to um, piss people off or something because they have come to expect that from us almost that we, you know, venture into a bit of a different direction with every, every record. And, and that's, that entails great freedom. And I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Man, Robin. Okay. So we covered so many things. Now this is the, unfortunately, this is the last part of the interview. I'm going to let you go here, but what I'm going to do, this is the fun part of the interview. I do this a lot to my guests and they love this part. I'm going to put you on the hot seat. Hot seat. What I'm going to do, I'm going to see if you know your own songs. Are you up to that? <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Sure. Bring it on. Don't worry. I didn't pick out every song. I just I hand-picked a few. I'm going to start you off easy. I'm going to read a lyric, and you're going to tell me what song is from, okay? Oh, from the lyrics, all right. Yeah, yeah. Because I know we talked a lot about the lyricism and the themes, so it just all comes back, back together to this. So I'm going to start reading. I, I promise I'm going to start you off easy, okay? All right. All right. Here we go. We are just like reptiles, giant rulers of the world. Within the blink of an <laughs> go ahead. Oh no, continue. It's it's a nice line. <laughs> yeah, within the blink of an eye, wiped off the face of the earth. We are all alone. Yeah. There you go. That's uh, Jurassic Cretaceous, the new singer. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> all right, moving on. Okay, and I I went in random order. Okay. Here yeah. we go. We are now on the threshold. Hold your breath and close your eyes. And this is the origin of our wishes, Pillage. Yeah, <laughs> man, it's just it's just a great lyric to read. You, you can just read it. 
This is uh, taken from Tarkovsky's Stalker movie and the closing scene of that, basically. I mean, like in an abstract sense again, not literally the words. Yeah. But, uh, that's that's the threshold. Three people entering the room at the end of the movie. Man, you're just painting a picture in my head right there. Okay, moving on here. Air filled with sand, la sand lashing in my face. I can't see you 15 feet away. I can hear you somewhere in the distance. I have lost you. The air is filled with sand. Oh my god, that is old. <laughs> that is a is that is Aeolian? Is that yeah. Right? Yeah. That is is that killing the flies? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Oh, Good job. God. See, you do know your own songs. <laughs> that's a to be fair. That's a track we. I think we've played that live like once. Uh, okay. To protect ourselves from the superstitions of priests and moralists and the trickery of evangelists, let us be done with the idea of moral law. Anthropocentric. Mm. No? Fuck. No. Heliocentric. It's, it's, it's in heliocentric, yeah. It's in heliocentric. That was 10 years ago. My brain is old. Um, you want to read it again? It, no, no, I don't. Of course, I know <laughs> it. I'm just trying to figure out in which which context that is uh, about it. Uh, is that in one of the Inquisitors? No, it's not. I don't think so. No, it's not. It's... <laughs> uh, you got to help me, man. Okay, okay. <laughs> It's metaphysics of the hangman. Oh, of course, of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah, because I, because I know, because I know, <laughs> yeah. Because after that, after the moral law, there's a dialogue below that. Of course, but Nietzsche yeah. is in every song in that record, so that doesn't make exactly. it any easier. So. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, what should I read him? I can read him this and see what what how can it be challenging. Okay, but see that again. That shows how how uh, how diverse our catalog is when it comes to the lyricism. Okay, <laughs> got a couple more. Bread and games, or should we say sugar and chains, the blood of exposure, our Swedish, our sweetest drink, decapitate the confessor, the audience is waiting. What a this line. This is the human, the human stain off of, he, he, uh, yeah. Yeah, off, off of, of fluxion. fluxion. Yeah. yeah, fluxion, second okay. track of fluxion. Yeah. All right, let's see if you get this one. I'm throwing it way back here, okay? All right. You sure know the rules to turn all heads to your menu. For this is all you show, for this is all you have to offer, as she grows pale and old. Queen of the food chain. Yeah, Aeolian. wow, he got that. That was the demo. <laughs> that was, that was good. That, that track is also an Aeolian, actually, second to last track, but it's, it's also on, the, on that first demo, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, from 2002. Okay, this, okay, this, is, the, this is the last one. Yeah. I am super fucked, and all I really want is to sleep now. Exposed to my interpretations, please cut me out of this equation. Release me. Phenerozoic One, Silorian, Age of yep. Sea Scorpions. Age of Sea Scorpions. God, I could just read your lyrics all day and not even have like the just the music play. That's the best part. <laughs> man. That's cool, uh, man. Rob, Thanks. Yeah, yeah, man, Robin, we covered so many things from head to toe here. Is there any last words you want to say? Any shout outs, any plugs, anything you want to mention before we finish things off here? I think you've pretty much covered it all. Um, check out the record when it drops. And I really hope that we will be able to come back to the States next year. And then very likely a Dallas show would, would be on the cards. 
Man, yeah, and let's do another uh, interview like face to face whenever you and the boys, if you guys want to throw the lyric game in there, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, sure. That, that's a cool idea, actually. That's uh, that's an in- interesting uh, interview game. <laughs> yeah, I love doing that. And uh, all the fans who are listening, you know, uh, the Ocean's ninth album, Phenerozoic 2, out September 25th on Metal Blade Records. And you can listen to this podcast on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, any major podcast app. Robin, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Please be safe out there. and Enjoy that beer. Enjoy that view. Uh, enjoy yourself, and we'll see you next time, man. Thanks, man. We'll do Hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. And also, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can find us at Interview Under Fire at Facebook or at Instagram. Or you can write us directly at schwag at interviewunderfire.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-G at interviewunderfire.com. Or Rezablade, that's R-E-Z-A-B-L-A-D-E at interviewunderfire.